0: following resources presented by the Counseling and Conference Services of IOM America. Welcome to A Counselor's Point of View. Hi, my name is Steve Finney and I will be your host. Extending forgiveness. Okay, I know that there's quite a few of you that have been through the early version of these messages. want to just raise your hands real quick so I can quickly capture that you've been through, uh, extending forgiveness, seeking forgiveness. Okay, very good. We're going to put a little bit of a twist onto this tonight. And I'm going to run through and do the fire hose approach. No, seriously, I am going to rush through this very quickly because this alone is a two-hour message. And we don't have that kind of time. So again, I plead with you to please... Take your time. When you get to this in your workbook, do the homework assignments faithfully with an intent of transformation. The extending and seeking forgiveness is really what my old boss used to say is where the rubber hits the road of the indwelling life of Christ. This is the proof in the pudding. Forgot to welcome our online listeners, but I know you're there. And we are so glad that you're here. And I am encouraged by the number of um, podcast people that we have signing up to get our delayed podcast. So thank you for being with us. We're on the message, Extending Forgiveness. See you, Marcus. And with Extending Forgiveness, this is basically... The day-to-day stuff we are faced with, and my friend at Beamer Films, he is the founder of this company, is going to uh, act out, him and his wife are going to act out, this is another one of those brothers I love dearly, and, and I think it goes the same way, this is an unbelievable tough thing for a couple to go through, and what God can do with the story of a Hosea. Jesus said that I will never leave you or forsake you. I've never known anyone in my short span that has called Jesus a liar. He was speaking in marital terms I will never divorce you, Stephen. No matter what you do to me. No matter how many gods you cheat on me. And Stephen, your list is long. But I will never divorce you. One of the plans they came up with around that little conference table of theirs is to create a multiplicity, habitual habit of divorce in the world. Because if children watch their parents divorce, they surely will not believe that Jesus will never divorce them. Security of salvation. Satan did an incredible job at that one. Now the bride of Christ has a worse reputation than people who don't know Christ. We're worse than unbelievers. Do you understand what's happening to us? The body of Christ? There are unsaved people that can demonstrate the life of Christ better than us. But they still go to hell. If those words hurt your feelings, I'm not going to say I'm sorry. Because I am burdened by the primary, fourth view Of the Laodicean Church, and we got to understand where where does all that kind of thing start? Extending forgiveness is absolutely critical (coughs) before we can appropriate the exchanged life. It's the living proof of the exchanged life. And what Christians are required by God to forgive as they have been forgiven. Someone want to expose the cheat sheet here and tell me where forgiveness comes from? What kind of term is it? It's a financial term. Reconciliation is a financial term. Being held into account is a financial term. Forgiveness in the Latin is comes from two words. You can see them there. It's always in the English word, so you can see it. Forgiveness. There's two words. What are they? For-giveness. Forgiving someone of their debt is what frees them. True? Forgiving someone of their debt, that's not on their mind anymore. The penalty is not going on and on and on and on. You see? It's a financial concept, but to Jesus, the two are the same. For you shall know a man's heart where he puts his treasures. Giving, investments, money, being faithful in small things are all a part of this message you're about to hear. They're not separate deals. Colossians 3.13, one of my favorites, is bearing with one another and forgiving each other. Whoever has a complaint against you, just as the Lord forgave you, so also you, sh- you should forgive them. That is so hard when it's so unjust in my mind. So when I get certain comments, I come by, I'm like, you don't even know me. How dare you say that? You don't even know how much I love Jesus. You you have no idea. Why why would you say this about me? And then Jesus has to put me in my place again, like, oh, do we have to defend your reputation again? I thought we got over that. No, he doesn't lecture me and remind me that I'm a failure appropriating his betrothment to me. He simply walks me through it again because this thing of me being as a male, being in this relationship with another male, a groom, is a bit weird to me. And I have to listen and watch how my wife relates to... Her savior and to her husband. I have to learn from my wife to know how to respond to Jesus Christ as a woman. Hope I'm not losing you on this. Because I am woman to Christ. I'm the bride of Christ. I'm his bride. So are you. So me responding to Jesus as a male, it's going to be friendship, buddy, buddy, yo man, you're the man. You know, it'll be all this male bonding stuff and he's not into that. He wants to be your husband. Loving. And if you have unforgiveness on your heart, you'll never get to meet that until you get to heaven. But you will get to see it someday. So here's how all this happens. Achieving oneness cycle. The attraction begins. That little star up there is the moment of attraction. So that's why I like to ask people, where'd you meet? How'd you meet? How'd this whole relationship get going? It's a great place as a discipler to get things moving in your discussion. Oh, we met, you know, at church and, you know, blah, blah, blah. Okay? that. Openness, you're sitting down with your cup of coffee and you're, you know, sharing coffee at a coffee shop and you're talking about, you know, your past with the safe stuff and you're talking about, you know, just being starting to be open. Not counting the cost of reconciliation because there is a cost. Openness brings exposure. You know, I would like to be able to say that everything that I share about my personal life with some people is going to be handled with absolute care. But it won't. Your average Christian will use it as a weapon against you at a later date. Gossip. Instead of redemption... And showing them how the exchange life really works. Through the rubber hitting the road. We destroy them. We finish it off. That exposure is the greatest test of all. And that is the test of commitment. Of whether that spouse or that friend. Or those those, uh, disciplees Or whoever they are. It's the test. Can they make it through the exposure? in faithfulness in Christ. I don't have to tell you that the statistics tell us that we're just not making it. We keep that information filed away to use it against them. But since most of us are cowards, we won't go face to face with them. See, I'd be fine if these people just come to me face-to-face and go, I don't like you. You're too harsh, you're too rough around the edges, you're whatever. I just don't like you. You know, I'd fall in love with a person if they did that. Oh, give me a hug. They're they're like supposed to be rejecting me. But see, face-to-face, rejection is easy to get your arms around. But when someone said that, someone said the other time that, that one person said and told the other person. And when they got together, they, I'm like, whoa! Which one said what to who, and who's would? That's why gossip works. You can't nail down the person to reconcile with them. Another little thing that group came up with around that strategy table. Gossip is perfect to washing out the people who they need to go reconcile. So the conflict starts to happen. And through that conflict, since they don't know what to do with the conflict outside of just simply saying, I can't be around this person anymore, that promotes spiritual separation. This goes in order in and after conflict. You separate from them spiritually. You've got to rewrite your own version. By the way, the answer to the test question... Thomas Jefferson wrote the first translation. The entire world. Paraphrase translation. Yes, our president had it republished and gave a copy to everyone in Congress one week after he became president, considering it the finest work that has ever written by an American founder of this great country. It's the most evil work, that you possibly can find in America. Thomas Jefferson was not only a deist, but he was a universalist. The church in this country that uses that translation the most is the Unity Church. They will not use any other translation. So that was the answer to that uh, history question. Spiritual separation immediately occurs through this conflict. Mental separation start, you start to play mind games with the person. It goes into emotional separation. I just can't be around this person. Mm-hmm. And then it goes into social, and that is, well, I am not going to be around the person. If they show up at you know one place, they'll walk out, and you know, I'm walking to the market with certain people in town, and they have, literally, turned around and walked out of that coffee shop. Will not be in the same room with me. And I'm like, well, what did I do, Shannon? Have you heard anything? I like, What's this actual offense? Well, we don't know. It's torture. Leaving someone with rejection and not telling them why you want to reject them. It's torture in the human mind. It's game plan. And if they're married or not, it can go into sexual separation. Then it goes into physical, and that is literally avoiding each other every place, everywhere. And if you're married in particular, it will show up in your finances. What's in your wallet? It's a good question. And then finally, if you're married or not, it turns into legal problems. Well, I'm going to sue you if you open your mouth again. And somehow when you get the law involved in keeping the separation separate, you feel safer. It's called divorce. And that's where it stays, right there. And the only way to close off this gap is through repentance. It's to go to the person. takes three seconds. I was wrong we have to get to the point of extending forgiveness before they hurt us. Repentance is catching on to the fact that you use these games and you let the enemy play with your mind, will, and emotions, and body and environment to create separation. Satan knows because he too can read, believe it or not, in just several languages. But he knows that it has been written and proclaimed that he's going to be separated even from his own demons. He will be put in a position of being lonely the entire remainder of eternity. So it's never going to stop that he is separated. He'll have no one to manipulate, no one to talk to, you want to drive someone crazy is be silence in the presence of a control freak they'll go nuts mentally they need gabbing, they need quarrels, they need conflict to feel alive they need stuff to control so they know that they can fix the fix that God's got fixed on them to get them fixed from where he's trying to fix people the control freaks and the best way to punish a control freak is to send them into outer orbit of silence you have nobody to manipulate anymore so you think he's getting off by just being tossed into the outer darkness try true loneliness that's hell and that's what we're trying to replicate by punishing this person. Silence. Go to Raqqa. Jesus said he who says Raqqa is guilty of the fiery pits of hell, right out of Jesus' mouth. Raqqa in the Hebrew means you fool, it was the worst swear word found on the face of the earth during that time. Raka. It would be like us saying GD today. Condemning God. Raka. Jesus didn't take it lightly then and he's not going to take it lightly in the final hours but that is what Satan said to him. Raka. You go to hell. (laughs) How he doesn't get that? No, he's, he's the one going to hell. He is hell. Hell is separation from any kind of relationship. So for us not to forgive people and promote more separation, are we not promoting hell? So you need to, seriously, when you get to this part of your workbook in the study, you need to be serious about writing down those names you've been playing rocker with. Seriously. Do what Ben did. And he went and talked to some people that was just so horrible in his mind to go and talk to. But he got the message of what this means in regard to sharing the true gospel of Jesus Christ. Melissa's testimony of saying, I saw the exchanged life lived. That's what we want. Not teaching and preaching it. Seeing it. Seeing frail humans living it out. And Ben got that. This is Ben's message. This diagram was a diagram that you probably could have got to know better, but he went and the person who created the principles behind the diagram, man. And then reconciliation can occur because you're repentant. And then oneness will start to happen in the relationship. I had that person that he was talking about come to me at the funeral and give me some encouragement of what went on in some private conversations between the two of them when Ben did come to reconcile. It's going to change that man's life. He also said, I want you preaching at my funeral. I said, Done. See what God can do from a death? From reconciliation? Oh, this baby's just going to keep going in in their family. Just going to keep going. And Ben fulfilled his mission. Here's what happens, though. We have this harmonious relationship with this person or a fairly decent friendship or a fairly decent marriage, whatever. Comes along, there is this big incident. It could be what... What uh, Scott and his wife were illustrating in the, in the vignette, it could be adultery, it could be, you know, whatever the case may be, some big incident, it creates hurt, resentment, anger, bitterness, you know, that, all that, that reaction stuff. One goes one road and the other one goes the other road. Keeps distance between the two of you through uh, emotional distance first and oftentimes that moves into not even wanting to live in the same state or the same country, or whatever. And they just keep going along thinking, weeks or years or whatever this is, time will heal all things. How many have heard that that demonic phrase? Time will heal all things. Time heals nothing. It makes it worse. Jesus Christ heals all things. Period. Not time. So when they have to get together at family rebellions or reunions, they have to fake this unity. Or they have to get together for any other reason. They have to fake the unity. You've got to be responsible Christians, of course. So you fake unity. And then you may come a little closer together because of the issues you have to tolerate each other, be friends in your separation and that'll go on for years. Person one is going down that road that we just left off with. Person two's coming. There's another incident, and then they and both say, "I knew this was going to happen." And they're like fire and gasoline together in the same room. I knew this was going to happen. Of course, it's going to happen. Flesh activates flesh. Truth activates truth. So another incident. Then next one, it gets bigger in their minds and bigger and bigger. And it starts out pretending. That worked fairly well. As long as you stay out there and I'm here. That worked pretty well. Then you tolerate them. So when you had to be at the same party, it was kind of like, Okay, here we go. You get into the party and you try to fake it as much as you can to make it, of course. Liar, liar, pants on fire. And you say you got Christ inside you? Faking it? What you do unto the least of these, my brethren, you do unto me. I will be the first to step forward and say, I have a horrible problem of lying. Faking it. Being around people I know despise me. And smiling. And Jesus is going. I don't want any part of this. Don't want any part. Either you forgive them. Or you don't. No faking it. Finally until you get to the point in this relationship. you just give up. You just toss it to the wind. You say. "There, God himself can't heal this brokenness. So you just give up. And now you are in the pit of hell. See, when God gives up on those people, there's no redemption for them. No matter how hard, how loud, how long they scream out. The description of hell and the gnashing of teeth and the constant burning and isolation will never be reversed. No matter how loud they cry. No matter how much I say Abba, no matter how much I say Jesus, you are Lord. Well, you already told me that. Do you realize the most horrific person on the face of the earth is going to fall on their knees? The worst of the worst atheists will fall on their knees and they will say, Jesus Christ, you truly are God. Darwin. Or your grandson. They're all going to their knees. Including Satan. Satan will say to Jesus Christ. Truly you are the son of God. The thief on the cross that was with them. The one was arrogant and proud. And refused to acknowledge that Jesus Christ was the son of God. The other thief looks at Jesus and says truly what? Truly you are the son of God. And what did Jesus say to this thief? For this day you will meet me in paradise. No separation for you, bro. You got it. But I know he didn't pray the Campus Crusade Prayer, I know he didn't read through Billy Graham's booklet. He knew that this man hanging on this cross was innocent. He was guilty. He heard him say, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they're doing. He extended forgiveness to these people who crucified him, for they asked. And to have that thief get that? Yo, Ben, I'll see you again. He got it. And there's a lot of self-proclaimed Christians that don't get this. I am the judge. Since I'm the offended one, I have these fascinations, I have these illusions going on in my, in my mind of being the one that has a right to judge. And that's that Godship process that starts to kick in. When I am offended, in my mind I see the offender as guilty. You know what we're actually saying? You know what, God? You do not do a very good job of this. Get out of the way. I'll take over from here. What you do unto the least of these, my brethren, you do unto me. And when you judge someone, I have done it my share. Believe me, when you do it, When I do it, we are telling God, you're failing. You're not doing your job. Get out of the way. And if I remember correctly, that's exactly what Satan tried to do. That little team sitting around that oval table is trying to invent ways of getting these indowelt Christians to take God's job Anyway. It was Satan's first sin. I want your chair. Get out of the way. I can do a better job of this than you. Well, since that didn't work overtly, he and his little cronies came in with a covert plan. And that covert plan is you hurt me and I have the right to feel this way. I know you hurt me. So therefore, if you don't judge them I'm going to, and then the sentencing starts to kick in. But what ultimately happens is we spend jail time with in the bars of this jail as our own anger and bitterness and resentment and consequences of playing judge. Where's the keys in this picture to get out of this jail cell? In his hands. These seven keys are in his hands. He has victory in his hands. But God in his precious ways with his children leaves us in jail as long as it takes until we go, Wow, I have had the answers the whole time. Maybe I should use these keys. These keys are, number one, I admit to God how I felt. And the hurt that I have experienced as a result of this offender. Key number two I admit to God that I have been holding the person guilty for that act and that hurt. Holding someone guilty says, I am the I am. That's what it takes to hold someone guilty. I am God. And you, offender, are not. And I hold you guilty. I pay the the guy on the way out. Key three, I now extend, give freedom, or freely, I extend my forgiveness to the person for that action, my hurt and the ramifications of those actions. Key number five, I now name and confess, agree with God, that my sinful reactions and attitudes, including holding the offender guilty, were wrong. I was wrong. Write somewhere on your page an American word that you should throw away. Two of them. I'm sorry. Now if you're really crying and say I'm sorrowful about this, those are good words. Just throw the word I'm sorry away. It's fruitless. What's it communicate? Sorry. You know when parents have their kids write, sorry, sorry, fake, fake. It's pointless. You need to work that child into sorrow. You need to squeeze on them to bring them to the point of Repentance. So they can say to their brother or their sister, "I was wrong," and have that offended one go exactly, "How are you saying you were wrong?" So I don't stop there. If you came to me and say, I, "You know, Finney, I got to, I got to reconcile with you on something," I go, "Go for it." And they're dancing around with the issue and say, "You know, I was wrong. You know, I was just, I was just wrong, wrong, just wrong. For what?" <coughs> See, I may already know. So I was the offended. For what? And if they come up with some poppycock, it's fruitless. What am I going to extend them forgiveness for something I got hurt by and they didn't even come close to it? Liar, liar, pants on fire. I'm not lying to the guy. I'm going to say that is not what I was offended by. And secondly, and most importantly, It isn't about me. You have insulted my husband by hurting another body member. By being careless in our relationship. As I have done the same thing with you, we hurt our husband. That's what this is about. Yeah, I wonder how well that will go over in a reconciliation meeting. Number six, I choose to live as a new creation that I am. This means that I accept that God has forgiven me, so of course I'm going to forgive the offender. Finally, key number seven says, I tell God I am willing to be reconciled to the offender and allow him to love the offender through me. That is the most difficult key to appropriate because it doesn't make sense to a lot of people. So they say, are you trying to tell me I have to be around this person again? To do 7 Mm-hmm. I want you and your new wife to invite them for dinner. Now I can do homework assignments. Well, I'm not doing that. What have they just told me? Couldn't you give me some of that fake stuff? Couldn't you give me some of that icing on the cake thing? Couldn't you lie to me? Not going to do it. You see, truth is, the greatest test of forgiveness is reattachment. Going up and getting ready to be slapped again. By being kind, generous, and everything in Christ is in you. And if they just whop you, reject you the same way, which they probably will, because God had to take you through this process for however many years to get you to the point to reigniting a relationship you hate. It might take him a little while to get the other person to that point. But he can Here's the the details of the list. It's in your workbook, but here's the details of the list of what forgiveness is and what forgiveness is not. I would study this page. Pray over this page. It is in there, isn't it? Huh? I think it's in a different uh, format. 121? Okay, thank you. Now, conflict with forgiveness. Same thing. Harmony coming in. There's an incident. You forgive instantly. You go through life. Same incident. Forgiveness. Go through life. Same incident. But see, what's happening inside your mind is these incidences are not such a big deal. So now when I approach certain people, I expect an incident. So I forgive them in the f- in, in, in for them for what they haven't even committed yet. I've already extended forgiveness before I arrive. See how it works? So when the slap comes, with a single motion, you're turning that other cheek. You're getting your shirt ready to give to them. If they're going to force you to go a mile, you're, you're getting your tennis on. Maybe you already have them on. Take that second mile with them. It's in the second mile you have good talks, not the first force mile. God is a God of methods and techniques. Test of forgiveness. Do you still see the offender as guilty? I sure hope not. Are you sincerely thanking God? There's that Thanksgiving thing. Can you talk about your hurt without getting angrier or getting all that stuff stirred up again? Spirit of the Living God's like a vacuum cleaner. He sucks up that sin, and throws it as far as the east is from the West. So if someone talks about it, it'd be like, yeah, you want to hear the testimony on that? This resource has been presented by the Counseling and Conference Services of IOM America. For more information about our ministries, visit us online at IOMAmerica.org. That's IOMAmerica.org.